Sarah Stark. And I'm Natalie Mills. And you are listening to The Lumpy Mother, the podcast where we show up for our kids by showing up for ourselves. We are not experts. We're just two best friends and moms who love learning and laughing together. I have four kids, an eight-year-old daughter and three sons who are seven, six, and 18 months. And I have two kids, a nine-month-old son and a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. So if you want to know you're not the only parent that has to stop their toddler from using the Swiffer as a javelin, (laughs) you've come to the right space. The way this works is each week, Sarah and I will have a yes, a no, and a hello for the week, or in other words, something good, bad, and something random that has to do with what's on our minds after another week of surviving parenthood. Natalie and I have a feeling you'll be able to relate to our experiences. But if you can't relate, tell us about it. Email us at lumpymotherpodcast at gmail.com. We want to know what you think about the topics we cover. Yay. Sarah, do you have any rewinds from your last episode? I do. I have a really fun rewind. So last week I talked about all the pet peeves that I do that annoy other people. Well, I don't think I covered all of them, but that's that's another story. Um, and one of them is that I get really distracted while walking places like on sidewalks, in grocery store aisles, etc. And so then I remembered that one of my brother's friends is actually a pedestrian advocate in Portland. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, let's get an expert opinion. What's his opinion on distracted walkers? Um, so his name is Steve, and he's this really, really kind guy like when my husband Ben and I moved to the area we didn't know anybody and every time we went to my brothers and Steve was there he made sure to come up and really include us he's so kind and he's also a lot of fun my brother calls this getting bazoned which is his last name bazone where like you just hang out with him and all of a sudden you end up on this weird adventure and this (laughs) happened to us my husband Ben and I Steve invited us to hang out in Portland this is pre-kids of course and we ended up in like some bike shop at like three in the morning it was all closed (laughs) and we're like dancing with strangers and it was one of the (laughs) this was so much fun and so we got bazoned so I asked him about distracted walking he's like uh what an interesting question (laughs) I would say, and he's his expert opinion, I would say that it's no threat to be on a sidewalk distracted and stopping or whatever. So not much of a pedestrian safety issue, but it does raise questions about taking up space in public. And especially during COVID, it can be annoying. I think, though, some folks like to rant about distracted walking, but in the end, it's a minor issue that mostly concerns a pedestrian's choice to compromise their own safety compared to distracted (laughs) compared to distracted driving, which threatens other people. So in case this is a pet peeve of everyone else's, just so you know, I'm mostly just a danger to myself. So don't (laughs) worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Oh, and then we have one more rewind together, don't we? Uh, Because last episode when I was doing my pork math. (laughs) I forgot about this. (laughs) Okay. So let's break this down. 
I accidentally ordered four <laughs> eight pounds things of pork, which equals thirty two pounds. <laughs> Uh, basically, we we uh, did not multiply that correctly. Um, yeah, if you listened really closely okay. to our last episode, we sounded like we really struggle with math, but we're not usually that bad at math. So not that bad. Do you, do you have any rewinds, Natalie? Yeah. So this last weekend, we celebrated the Korean New Year, and it was our first yeah. time celebrating as a family, and it was amazing. We had so much fun. All of the food turned out really well. It was not as stressful as I was worried about it being. And um, all of the kids enjoyed every minute of it. It was super successful. And we cannot wait to celebrate next year again, hopefully with more family, um, like with my yeah. sisters and and Nick's siblings and cousins and all that stuff. But we're really oh, happy that wonderful. we at least got to do it with my mom and his mom. So, but yeah, yeah. it was, it was wonderful. So. Oh, yeah. that is wonderful. And I'm so glad it was less stressful too, because just hosting a party yeah. can be so, so much yeah. on um, you, you and Nick. It was more the food I was worried about just because it was food I had, of course, never cooked before. Some of it was, yeah. but my mom came early so that she could help me cook. And so together we figured it out. Hank, who loves to cook, but didn't want to cook that night, just literally put a folding chair in the kitchen and gave us lots of advice. <laughs> Supervisor. Which, yeah, he supervised. It was helpful. I'll say that. But yeah, so it was a wonderful evening, though. So we got a listener email this week from... Um, a listener named Rachel. She sounds like a sweetheart. And she wrote in about one of your older topics that you talked about, cold showers. And she said, I completely agree that cold showers are actually amazing, but I don't get my whole body cold. When I'm done showering, I angle the shower head as far down as it can go. And then I lean backwards and to the side. So only my head goes in. <laughs> the freezing water seriously feels amazing on your scalp and the rest of your body can stay warm. It gets a little uncomfortable if you lean too long, but it's the only way I'll do a cold shower. <laughs> it's kind of like how amazing it feels when someone plays with your hair so thank you for that Rachel that's great advice too yes. because thank you Rachel that sounds a little yeah, more but, appealing yeah well it's not because I tried it and it was oh, awful Rachel I'm sorry thank you for listening and chiming in but it hurt my head it was like uh like getting a brain freeze on the outside of your head instead of oh that's to so me funny. maybe I did it wrong maybe it, maybe I didn't have the lean right Sarah, you're going first this week. What's your yes this week? My yes is anti-racist educational resources for adults and kids. Oh, I love it. I wanted to do this topic in celebration of Black History Month. Um, though, of course, it's important to remember that Black history is American history. They're not, you know, one and yeah. the same. They are together. But I love this month that we get to celebrate that history. Um, that even though a lot of it is so fraught, we can also just celebrate the joy and lives of of black well, culture and also and acknowledge it. I feel like just yes, it, it creates conversation and another yeah way to make sure that we're educating ourselves yeah about um, anti racism and how to counter it because it's so ingrained in our society, unfortunately. Um, and so I think, especially as a woman who comes from a place of privilege, uh, this is something mm -hmm. that 
I am working on and want to learn more about, and I want to share uh, with everyone where I am learning it from, um, because I am not an anti-racist educator. I'm just a parent and a person learning as much as I can so that I can be a good ally and teach my kids to be anti-racist. So that said, I'm not here to educate anyone on how to teach anti-racism to your kids, uh, but instead I want to share and support the experts I've come across who are doing this important work. So the first educator I want to share. Her name is Jamia Drummond Bay. Um, she is a, a global curriculum designer and helps leaders and schools transform their learning programs, according to her Instagram account. Um, you can follow her um, on Instagram at Evolved Teacher. And she also has a website, www.evolvedteacher.com. I believe she currently teaches abroad in Malaysia. Her life story is so fascinating. She was in the Peace Corps. Um, when she was uh, a few years back in like Soviet Russia where she wasn't supposed to teach oh, wow. the students English but the Peace Corps huh. wanted them to teach English as a second language and um, so it's like wow I bet the stories she has are just that's incredible, incredible. and then she also taught English as a second language in South Korea and she taught huh. through two pandemics so her Instagram feed also has this fantastic insight on how to like emotionally connect with students while wearing a mask or oh. and she has a lot of information on helping your kids stay engaged with virtual learning. Mm -hmm. Just um, great insight on that as well. In addition to her anti-racist education uh, content. A lot of her stuff on Instagram is geared towards teaching because she is a teacher. There is so much for everybody to learn mm -hmm. by following her because she covers, like I was just saying, a bunch of different topics, like how to respond to someone who says racist things and how to make more online learning more engaging for your kids. And she's just this incredible person. Uh, she's really good at what she does, but she's also just so passionate, so wise. Um so I wanted to share her with everyone because I think she's just fantastic. And I thought I would share a part of her content um, to give everyone an idea of the kind of education yeah. and, and thoughtfulness she brings uh, and idea. has brought to my to my life. So she has these self-reflection posts that I really like because they make you sit down and critically examine what you're teaching your child, what you're thinking, what, what you're feeling. Um, about black people. So this was one of those self-reflection posts and it starts, um, quote, are you teaching your child to actually love black people? She says, it's one thing to have conversations, but we all know as humans, people tend to really protect and advocate for those they feel connected to. Does your child feel connected to black people? Do they love black people? Do you? Or are black people others or quote, them in your household. So hmm. that is really, really insightful. And then she continues, um, so consider ways we feel connected to, to others. Typically, we create deep connections with those who are family, friends, or people we can relate to in some way. She says, this mm -hmm. is why representation is so important. The more mm -hmm. black families and children you and your children experience daily, the more similarities you find, the more connected you feel, and the more likely your child will see people who look differently as one of us rather than those people. Um, hmm. And she talks about a lot about leading these discussions with your kids from a place of love, 
always she's always about leading with love. Um, so again, that's Jamia Drummond Bay, and you can find her on Instagram at Evolve Teacher and her website at www.evolveteacher.com. So that's my first resource that I want to share with you. And then um, my second anti-racism resource that I absolutely love and want to share is the podcast called First Name Basis. It's hosted by a mom of two. Her name is Jasmine Bradshaw. And according to her Instagram account, which is at firstname.basis, the podcast is there to, quote, give parents the tools they need to teach their children about race, religion, and culture. You can listen to her podcast wherever you get podcasts, and you can also follow her on Instagram, as I said before, at firstname.basis. And online, you can find her at linktree, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash first name dot basis, where you also find a link where you can support her on Patreon and get a booklet she wrote that is bite-sized black history. And it sounds like a really neat interactive educational tools that you can do with, I think, kids that are a little older. It's like 12 coloring pages with reflection questions, as well as 12 bite-sized podcast episodes. They're like eight minutes a piece. And they're... um, about black Americans from history. So her podcast just covers like the history of racism. It's how you can talk to your kids about racism. And it's it's taught me uh, more about racism and how I can be a good ally or what she says uh, a co-conspirator is actually better than an ally because a co-conspirator is right there in it with you. There are in the protest with you. One of her episodes called Racism 101, which just kind of breaks down and explains the different kinds of racism, um, which she explains are the three types are interpersonal racism, implicit bias, and systemic racism, and how racism is so much more complicated than what I think people, um, a lot of people tend to generalize it as. A lot of people see it as the interpersonal type where it's just like outright, I I feel hate towards you because your skin color is brown. Yeah. When there's just, there's so much more and there, and there's so much covertness to it because instead mm-hmm. of racism disappearing, it's just evolved. And then there's another episode of hers that I love that explains cultural appropriation, which was a term that I really had trouble grasping for some reason probably I mean just due to my background and the fact that I have never had a counter and then I also want to give you an idea of what her content is and what she shares so this is taken from her website and it's the steps you can take when talking to your young children about skin tone and race she writes as parents we are our child's most important teacher. She continues, we have to take advantage of everyday, ordinary moments to begin having conversations with our little ones about race and skin tone. And so she gives a couple steps. I'm just going to read her first step. And her first step is to teach them about melanin. And then she Mm -hmm. says, at only six months old, our children can begin to categorize people based on skin tone. They Hmm. recognize the skin tone of their caregiver and can distinguish between people who are darker and lighter. If our sweet babies are noticing skin tone, we need to make sure that they understand where it comes from. And then she quotes the Life Kit for Parents podcast that says, quote, kids are not colorblind, so don't be color silent. And then she elaborates on that and writes, so the first thing we can do is teach them about melanin. Melanin is a the amount of pigment that is in our skin. 
It is what creates the beautiful shades of amber, mahogany, and sand that we see all around us. The more melanin you have, the darker your skin will be. The less melanin you have, the lighter your skin will be. When we equip our children with the understanding of where our differences come from, it can eliminate the fear and confusion that might otherwise creep in. So yeah, I love that that just starts with the foundation of this is just why it's different. Well, Um, it's just purely, this is the facts of why our skin color is different than that family's skin color or your friend at school's skin color and just like your hair color is different than some other friends. Right. I love that. I love that. So I cannot recommend Jasmine and the First Name Basis podcast enough. Uh, It has opened my eyes so much that I was unaware of because my privilege, um, speaking of privilege, something else she teaches you about, um, because it's not something I think a lot of people confuse privilege with something like you're guilty of, like you're being accused of having privilege. Um, but really it's something you possess that it's just, it's just something that you have. Well, Um, I think a lot of people confuse privilege with, um, they think that it means that they didn't have a hard life or have issues to overcome when that's not necessarily it, you know, It's just Um, that your skin color wasn't one of the barriers holding you back. Yes, exactly. So that's the thing is that she also talks about in one of the episodes how uh, there are different kinds. And one is economic privilege Mm -hmm. where people born more into wealth. They they don't have to, you know, pull themselves up economically as much. And people with white skin don't have to pull themselves up because they're not being held down Mm -hmm. because of the way they're viewed from their skin color. So you have to check her out i can i hope that you'll look into these resources and that they will mean as much to you as they have to me and and help me guide my children to Mm -hmm. to become anti-racist and active co-conspirators yeah so what's your yes today natalie my yes is (laughs) so nick and i went on a date night for the first time in so long for valentine's day (sighs) Um, we have not been on a date and I will own a a lot of that is because of the pandemic, of course, but even then we didn't regularly go on dates for, I mean, maybe once every three or four months we would do a date that wasn't like actually a work thing or, you know what I mean? Like a date, just the two of us, it rarely happens. So for years I have wanted to take dance classes for Valentine's day. And this year I was just kind of like, this is happening. And Nick has known that I've wanted to do this forever. So he was happy to oblige. We really love to dance. We actually met at a club in Indy while dancing. So we love to dance at weddings. I've never asked how you met Nick. We love to dance. We love to dance at weddings. And so I scheduled it for us. We did a private dance lesson because... Um, Nick especially is also not comfortable in groups right now. So a private dance lesson is kind of the perfect date night for us because it's just us and an instructor. There's no eating with other people. So, you know, we're not like exposing ourselves in that way. And so we have a place near us called Fred Astaire Dance Studio. And they I looked it up. They're a chain all over the world. I'm so unbelievably impressed with them. So we're doing six lessons in all. We did our first one on Valentine's Day itself. And I have to tell you, it was amazing. 
It was amazing. I got all dressed up, which I don't do that much anymore. I bought a skirt and shoes just for the dance lesson. Good for you. That's incredible. Yeah. It was so fun. Um, There was like a small hiccup when we were getting ready to leave because Nick very innocently asked if he could wear jeans. And because I'm broken (laughs) on the inside, instead of being polite and loving and saying like, actually, it would mean a lot to me if you dressed up for this. I had to be real snarky (laughs) and be like, well, I'm in full body Spanx, high heels in February, a skirt and I have fake eyelashes on. But if you think the jeans is as the best that you can, the best effort you can put for this special occasion, then sure, wear jeans. <laughs> Just like, what is wrong Full with body me? Full body alone. No, but, but your points are so valid. <laughs> Full body spanks. You're not using the restroom all night. Once you put oh. those suckers on, you're stuck. <laughs> And so, so I maybe did not have a lot of grace in that moment, like I should have, but it was okay. He did put on some nice pants. And to his credit, he wears, because of his job, he's dressed up almost every day for school. And so I, I do understand where he was coming from, but um, he put on nice clothes for me. And um, oh. so we went out. It was so much fun. The instructor was amazing. And part of this that I kind of knew going into it is that I think it's been difficult for us to feel close lately because he's working so much and our life is a little bit busy and chaotic with the kids and school and everything else, which is totally normal parent stuff. Um, I knew that this would be really a good experience for us outside of just being a night out of the house because Nick's love language is personal touch and dancing is all of like us holding each other, you know, so I knew that that would be really good for him to kind of feel close to me, which I was really excited about. So, and I could like feel him kind of come alive while we were there, like his sense of humor came out like it was and we got all flirty. It was so amazing. It makes me so upset that we don't do regular date nights, but there are so many reasons that we don't, right? There's a lot of factors outside of the obvious fact that it's a pandemic and people just in general aren't leaving the house, but um, expenses. Let alone bring like a babysitter in. Well, exactly. You don't want to hound your parent, your mom Mm -hmm. all the time or yeah. Yeah. So there's the expense of a babysitter plus whatever you're doing, finding time. We're always exhausted. There's a whole list of reasons why we don't go regularly on date nights, but I found some really interesting information and advice about date nights, especially for parents. So Oh, I want to hear this because we we don't we don't date <laughs> anymore. I mean, I want to. <laughs> yeah, we I that's the problem. It's well, here, I'll tell you. According to the Marriage Foundation, and they surveyed almost 10,000 couples. So it was really thorough. It was yeah. a good like solid 10 years ago, but I still think it's relevant. Of the 10,000 couples that they surveyed, 30% of them went out once a month. 
23% out went that went less than once a month and 36% of couples never went out on dates. 36% is over a third wow. of couples. They also found that couples are 14% less likely to break up if they have a regular date night. A different study done by Care.com, which is like the babysitter. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? So they <laughs> they also interviewed a bunch of parents and um, 88% of the people they interviewed said that they felt more attracted to their partner after a date, which I also totally believe. Absolutely. Outside of those statistics, there were a lot of really good points that I found for having regular date nights with your partner. Things like having time that's set aside just for them and not just kind of giving them like the leftovers of your energy and your busy schedule and your life. If we have regular time, it's like special, you know, it just I like we the, say the term leftovers for that is so accurate because with yeah. kids, that's what it feels like. And it yes. feels like I have to expend more energy to spend time with someone who my husband, who I love spending time with. Yeah. But then it's almost a chore at the end of the day, which yeah. is terrible. But well, and true. we talk, we've talked multiple times in, this is episode number six. We've talked multiple times about how important it is to have focused time with each of your kids, even if it's 10 minutes, 10 oh, minutes right. of time yeah, quality where time, you give your right, kid really. all of your attention. And I don't do that with Nick all of the time. I don't do that with my husband regularly, you know? And so it's interesting that we have a priority for ourselves to do that with our children, but not our partners. So there's that. It's like prioritizing time. It gives you something to look forward to that was on the list. And that absolutely, because after we scheduled the dance lesson, I was like counting down the days for two weeks <laughs> to it. I was, I planned my hair. Oh, yeah. I planned the whole thing because I was so excited about it. And this last point hit home so hardcore for me because I'm such a structured person in our household. Regular date nights help you avoid becoming logistical partners, such as like, okay, who's going to cook lunch? Who's picking up the kids today? And it gives you a break from that to um, really enjoy each other and have time together that's not just planning yeah. and logistics. That's huge for us, especially because we have kids in music lessons, in school, um church, you know, all of it. It's just stuff that's on our calendar. So a lot of our time is spent figuring out what nights do you work late next week? Okay. What do you, you know, it's just so much of that. Become like coworkers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing they said is that it sets a really good example for your kids, which I thought was important. Um, you know, it tells my kids that mommy and daddy prioritize time together and this is really special for us. I'm all here for anything. <laughs> This is going to sound bad. No. That I love doing for myself. That is also a good example for my yeah. kids. <laughs> Those are my favorite things. They feel like justifications, but when uh, other people are like, no, 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 it's true. It's it's proven. I'm like, exactly. like one of the things is it's good for your kids to know you have boundaries Mm -hmm. um, so you don't like blow up at them or uh, I think Janet Lambsbury uh, talks about that like it's okay to say say no like you just want some mommy time and I'm like thank yep. you Janet <laughs> Lansbury. thank you for justifying the things that in my head I knew had to be true but yeah <laughs> or that I just really wanted to be be good yeah. for my kids but really feel only <laughs> exactly. good for myself but <laughs> 
really when I think back on date nights, the issue is that we treat date nights like a luxury when instead it needs to be a necessity. And so I'm trying to change my mindset because I do think date nights with Nick is has to become a necessity to our marriage and our relationship. So this is what I did. I have a list of things that are like pandemic slash budget friendly date nights, um, such as going on a hike. Um, ice skating is a really good one because you can be outside dance lessons like we're doing a scavenger hunt. Do you remember? Did you ever do those in high school where it was like a list of things that yes. you had to like take pictures of? <laughs> <laughs> um, even... I did it with all the band people. I think Nora yeah. was there. I was ma'am. And I remember vividly, my I was like, just call me ma'am. And I spelled ma'am wrong. <laughs> That's amazing. Anyway, that's all I got. Um, <laughs> if it's, if you live in a warmer climate, a beach day, like a sand building or a sandcastle building contest, flying kites. Um, I loved this idea, going to expensive open houses together just to be nosy. Huh? I'm, Yes. Idea is really attractive to me. And then the um, last one for that list is geocaching. I have an uncle. My uncle Bob is so into geocaching, which um, is a huge thing. You can find them everywhere. What is it? I've heard it. So you there's like a database. People hide these little geocaches all over the world even in small towns like ours. And then they put the coordinates online and you have to go find it. And it's usually like something that you open and then you write your special geocache name inside. So it costs no money and it's like a scavenger hunt, but you're finding actual things in the wild. When we were in Chicago, we went to a Cubs game together and he is so into geocaching. He um so he knew there was one in this park somewhere but we couldn't find it. He sat down on all of the benches and it was magnetized to the underside of the bench. So you have to like really look for it. And it was this little lock that open slid open with a long slip of paper and you wrote your name on the paper. Um he found one once that was oh an acorn. Gosh. It was a piece of wood carved like an acorn that opened up. So people get super creative with it. Um, I think wow, that it would that be is a- amazing. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, so geocaching or I know those are kind of all like you leave your kids at home, which is ideal. But obviously that's not le- that not everyone can do that. No. I mean, um, you, when you moved to a new location, you don't have people that can babysit or if you no. don't have family nearby. And so we've had three date nights in th- almost three years. Yeah. See, that's it's which is heartbreaking. <laughs> but what I yeah. saw that I really loved this idea is they suggested picking one night a week that is completely screen free. And so after the kids go to bed, you don't have any phones or TVs, and then you do something, whether it's baking or cooking or talking or game nights. Nick and I love game nights, so for us, we would end up playing games. Um, but I, I thought that was really a fantastic idea because a lot of yes. times after the Just kids to go to have bed, time to connect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nick and I um, watch TV or he we're both doing work on our computers or whatever. I just think it would be wonderful. So we might actually start oh, doing absolutely. that in our yeah. house. When we do that, we um, we've tried that once or twice and we play Jenga, which I really oh, like yeah. because it was Ben's idea um, because you can still talk 
because it doesn't yeah. take too much thought. So you're, but you're doing something with your hands. So it's like easier to connect for yeah. some reason. It's hard to reconnect in your living room. It's not like a special yeah. atmosphere. It's not like a, it's like, it's, it's where you get your logistics done. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, that's where you spend Absolutely. time with the family and it's usually covered in toys. So playing Jenga <laughs> for us was a really fun way and an easy two person game. Um, yeah. But it is loud when it falls, so. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I think, like, so for I you could guys, wake up the kids, but other than that. Sitting out on your patio or something, you know, and just, like, being together outside. We um, have a fire pit we use sometimes in the summer, and we'll sit out there after the kids go to bed. And oh, yeah. Nice weather is a whole different story. That feels oh, like a different 100%. life. 100%. <laughs> and if you are a single parent, I think that... Um, Uh, this might not feel like it applies to you, but I think it's absolutely acceptable to do this stuff either as a friend's night or as a me time. You can still prioritize having these times together, even if it's not a date, you know, Um, if it's a date with yourself, getting a babysitter just for yourself. I I don't want people to think that this this is only a relationship based advice because I absolutely or like I have a great group of girlfriends that I would do all of these things with you know and so Mm -hmm, it's more so just being able to separate yourself and um so yeah but I am so excited for the next five weeks of our swing dancing lessons um we've we said we're going to be a hit at weddings from here on out that's our big goal <laughs> are you need to get to do like cool flips and stuff oh i don't know if, fun. i don't know if we'll flip at all but i'm still super excited so that's my yes this week sarah what is your no oh what a fantastic yes and Thanks. right now i love how you came up with these creative ideas because I I have a hard time getting creative with this or like sitting down to think about it like you did I think was so smart um if if anyone out there has some other creative ideas that they do for a pandemic safe date night please let us know so that we can do them and we can share them with others and uh, let's all help us all get out of this uh, pandemic rut which I'm Sure, everyone goes in in waves and out, uh, in and out yep. in waves. Um, Absolutely. I know I do, which kind of leads to my no, which um, this last week I just kind of struggled. Like, I just had a couple of days where I did not want a mom, and that's my no. I, The days when you just don't want a mom. And I think, I think it's normal, but there's also this tremendous sense of guilt. Like, I should always want to be with my kids, or... You shouldn't, like, it's almost like you shouldn't say it out loud. It feels taboo. But, yeah, I found myself this week, like, just waking up a number of times to my kids needing me, which, of course, kids, that's what they do. They need you. (laughs) You're there to take care Mm -hmm. of them. And I get this, but I just, I didn't want to do it. Like, I found myself in these negative thought patterns. Like, I just want a break. I just want to sleep. I want the day Mm -hmm. off. I want a whole day where I can rest (laughs) and choose my own schedule and eat without sharing my food and binge watch trash TV and sleep whenever and wherever I want without being interrupted and be responsible for absolutely no one and nothing (laughs) and barely keeping myself like fed. Like that's, that's kind of day I want. Um, I need a lot of different days, which this ties very well into your 
date night. I need a date night. Um, and yeah, it's funny because I actually mentioned this. We Since we live so far away from family, we just don't, we don't have any babysitters. We have my brother, but I don't want to bug him too often. Yeah. And also with COVID, we've been super cautious. Usually when he and my sister-in-law come over, like we wear masks and. Well, I'm going to stick with my um, opinion that you need to go to a hair salon for a little while. <sighs> For some me time. I do. Just... I keep meaning to make an appointment. Thank you. Because it would be just nice to get out and Cause it's time feel freshened s- up. Yeah. Well, someone else is taking care of you. And it's time away for quite a few hours usually. And, you know, I just... I'm getting it prior- colored next time. Yeah. You're prioritor- you are prioritizing yourself if you make a, yeah. <laughs> do something That's like that. That's what I need. I need to get out. And I'm in the house all the time. I hardly leave because it's usually rainy. So, yeah, i just been in this this slump. Um, but I did come across something that kind of made me feel less guilty about not wanting to mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was from um, Big Little Feelings on Instagram. And it said, uh, and it was today. They actually posted this today. I was like, oh, I needed to hear that. Thank you, Big Little Feelings. Uh, and it said you can both love your kids more than anything in life and say that parenting is the hardest thing you've ever done at the same time. Yeah. I'm like, yes, that's so true. I can still just like not want to be with them. I can still be annoyed with them. I can still not even like them a little bit. Uh, hopefully they don't <laughs> listen to this when they're older. Um, <laughs> and still and at the same time, love them more than anything. You know, well, it's a relationship. Yeah, it is. It feels like it's like another expectation, a feeling of expectation you had before you had kids where like you're just be so excited to see them every day, you know, because yeah. you birthed them, you grew this child. It's kind of amazing, but that's not the case. But I do think what that um, quote by Big Little Feelings made me think of was like, okay, your love is constant. It is always there, even mm-hmm. if your your feelings go up and down. It's like I was feeling guilty, like I, it almost meant that I didn't love them as much but that's just never the case oh, no um so yeah no. just kind of a quick low just kind of like i know the other parents and moms are just going through the same thing like this is just a really hard season for anybody Absolutely. and then to be a parent not be able to go anywhere not to get any break it's hard enough yeah. to come by a break anyway it's hard enough to get to prioritize a date night outside of a pandemic yeah um to do it now absolutely no i think um we it's weird because being a stay-at-home mom it is like part relationship but it's also almost part job you know and so you need boundaries like we just talked about and I don't think there should be any guilt for feeling the need for those boundaries whether it's okay I am not going to be present at bedtime for the rest of the week because I was exhausted all day or whether it's I'm going out on Saturday and I'll be back in seven hours. You know, I don't think there's any guilt in needing that restoration. And I think we we all need restoration. That is, yes, that is accurate. Yeah. yeah. My no goes hand in hand with yours. It's so crazy. Oh, yay. What is My no is hand in hand with yours. My no is all about negative self-talk. <laughs> so... <sighs> Isn't yes. that so funny? Oh wow! It's and, yeah. Um, that's I great. Also, yeah, I. Also... I mean, it's not a great thing, but it's a great topic <laughs> to discuss. I understand what you mean. <laughs> I'm so glad you hate yourself so much. <laughs> I also had a super rough, like mentally, it was just a rough week. 
so I do, I work part-time at our church in the children's department and I love my job. I also do um, trivia nights for like local restaurants and bars. And obviously it has not been happening very much because most of them are closed right now. We actually do them online on occasion. So I had a trivia night this week and then um, some things to do for the podcast, which I also love. These are all things that I love doing and that I'm passionate about doing. But it was just a week where the list for each of them individually felt overwhelming. And then when I put it together, it was like it froze me a little bit if that makes sense. Do you know it? Like it was too much. For yeah, my brain to I kind know of exactly handle. that feeling. It's like, you don't even yeah. know where to start. Cause it's just too, it's too much. I think that's the, the exact yes. feeling of overwhelm. Yes, exactly. That's what overwhelm is. It's just when you have all these things, like I feel like they're like these little towers mm-hmm. and places surrounding your head and it just feels too staticky. Yeah, exactly. Um, so at one point I felt like I was just kind of cracking a little bit and in my head in that moment and on that day, I convinced myself that I was letting everyone down from all of those. You texted me. I was like, what are you talking about? You know, because it was just like, I felt like I, I knew a lot of people were counting on me for even small things and, I was just struggling to get everything done. So um, it was just weird in that way. And then I saw this TikTok by uh, someone named Brian Fretwell. And his TikTok handle is Brian with an I underscore Fretwell. We'll put a link to it in our show notes. And he was talking about um, how they had a group of people. And he asked one question, which was, what went well in the last week because of you? And he said that out of all of the people that they interviewed for this project for work, so few could actually answer it or could feel confident enough to answer it. And that hit me right in the gut. What went well the last week because of me? What went well the last week because of you, Sarah? You know, it was like, it's so hard to give myself praise sometimes, especially in that moment where I feel like I'm letting everyone down, including my husband and including my kids, you know, on top of those other three things. And so um, it just made me super aware of the voice in my head and how easy it is for that negative self-talk to run away with me. And so um, so I started looking some things up because I think it's really easy for me to be like, well, I'll just stop talking to myself like that, you know, when that doesn't actually mean <laughs> and then you're anything. Like, like, why can't I stop? What is yeah. wrong with me that I can't stop? It's the same as me saying like, well, I'm just going <laughs> to stop doing the same thing. eating sugary treats, you know, like it just doesn't happen. <laughs> so, so, well, um, well, you also get like hard on yourself for not being able to do it because, yeah. well, yeah, the first, if, if I have one day where I'm trying to stop talking to myself like that and then I can't stop myself all that I end up doing is thinking about how badly I'm doing it it just doubles down yeah so um so I found some advice there was an article on the website verywellmind.com and the article is called how to use positive self-talk for stress relief it's by a lady named Elizabeth Scott and um she said that you should have a journal Um, You can carry it with you all day and write down all of the negative comments that you make to yourself because something about seeing it on paper, like at the end of the day, when you look back, might help you actually realize not only how often you are doing this and talking to yourself in this way, 
but also just like how unrealistic some of those are and how hard you're being on yourself. Um, and then the other one that she had was replacing those negative statements, getting into a space um, where you, instead of saying things like, I cannot do this, or this is impossible, which we say all of the time as parents, if we're being honest with ourselves, especially if you're in that newborn phase, I feel like that first three months. How does anyone do this? Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and so rephrasing those to like, how can I do this? Or how can I make this a possibility? So it's kind of changing and training your mindset, which I'll be honest, when I first started that I was like, well, at that point, you have to almost force yourself to become an optimist at times, you know, which I think is absolutely part of it. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. The other thing that I have to personally tell myself a lot of times is that if you were um, struggling with something like I did this week, or if another one of my very close friends was struggling with things, I would never talk to you the way that I talk to myself. So it comes down to um, talking to myself and loving myself in the same way that I love the people that are important to me and prioritizing my emotional health in the way that in the same way that I want those people to. You did this for me once. I don't remember exactly the situation was it moment, breastfeeding? But, um, because I remember a conversation with you about breastfeeding. It absolutely could have been. But you were like, oh, gosh, I really tortured myself um, when I was breastfeeding Evie. And I was not kind to myself because I thought that was the only way I could be like a good parent mm -hmm. to her, which is not the case. But I, yeah, but it was something like that. You said, if I came to you with this concern, what would you say to me mm -hmm. to support me? And then I said it and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Because what I was saying to myself was like all these mean, cruel things. and But what I would have said to you is what I truly yeah. think, uh, at least one part of myself believes. But this brings up so much for me. When you talk about the negative self-thoughts, it reminds me of, I did a reparenting workshop with Dr. Mm -hmm. Becky at home. <laughs> for those of you, I'm sure you're all familiar <laughs> if you listen to any of our episodes. She's fantastic at Dr. Becky at home on Instagram, please. She has lots of workshops. Um, usually they're pretty inexpensive too, which is really Open. nice because she just does them through YouTube. I've done like two or three of hers. Anyway, it was a reparenting one where you kind of like, you learn to talk to your inner child, which sounds so weird, but it works. But yeah. a lot of things that like as she said in this workshop, like a lot of the self, uh, the negative self-talk we do to ourselves is mm -hmm. um, our defense mechanisms we learned growing up somehow somewhere. What she likes to say is like put her hands over her heart and then talk to that negative part of yourself uh -huh. and say, thank you for your years of service. <laughs> <laughs> like, but the thing, because the interesting thing is instead of being like, I'm not going to talk to myself in these self-defeating terms uh -huh. anymore. She says the opposite is you need to greet that part of yourself and you need to show that part of yourself compassion. Oh, interesting. Like the part that, isn't that interesting? And actually yeah. say out loud, like, thank you. I know you're trying to protect me, but I don't need you anymore. Well, I love that it's based in right? self-compassion instead of like self-hatred. Yeah. For like, yes, I, instead because of then you're myself just, you know, for... proliferating the yeah. um, cycle, oh. like you just said earlier. Yeah. I think that's Sorry, fantastic advice. So I found this book called um, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. It's by Shad Helmstetter. And I'm, 
I haven't read it yet, but it's on my to-be-read list now because I think that it will hopefully give me some good tools just to remind myself that I am valuable. Send me the link or we'll post it in our show notes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe we can read it with some listeners. Anybody out there that's read it, let me know what you think. (laughs) Lumpy Mother Book Club. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's my no. It really, seriously, it tied directly into yours, which was so funny. So beautiful. (laughs) It was just, maybe it was the weather this week. I don't know, but, um. February in a pandemic, not a good combination. I, I usually have a hard time in, in either January or February. All right. What's your hello, Sarah? My hello is fun. It brought me back to childhood when I was, uh, when my mom would tuck me into bed. Sometimes she would do this thing where she'd like point to my forehead and say far bender, point to my eye, say eye winker, point to my nose, say nose stopper, point to my chin, say chin chopper. And then she'd tickle me and say, get her wash, get a wash, get a wash. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes far bender eye winker nose stopper chin chopper get a wash get a wash get a wash um and it's with an r the wash it's very important because my mom her family is originally from tennessee so it's a southern tradition i asked my brother about this and he's like i don't remember her ever doing that with me <laughs> um so obviously i'm the favorite no <laughs> um no, to be fair, he doesn't remember much about childhood for some reason. So I, I've like taught it to my daughter and she'll do it to like Franklin, my uh, younger, you know, nine month old. And mm-hmm. super cute. And it's kind of a fun and it makes no sense. Like far benders your forehead for some reason. I winkers your nose. And so I was just curious, like, where does this stem from? Yeah. And I didn't really find the history of it. Um, I didn't have time to look into it as much as I wanted to, but it is like an English rhyme song for kids. Mm-hmm. And so here's the English version. And this is so funny, like all how how it's so different all around, like in all these different places, there's yeah. all these different versions of it. So ours is probably changed from family passing it down. So we have our oh, very own yeah. unique one. But this English version is I winker, Tom tinker, nose smeller, mouth eater, chin chopper, chin chopper. And then, then they like tickle the chin. And then what's interesting, my mom is English and Scottish because she did the 23andMe or whatever. Uh-huh. So then there's also a Scottish variant. So it must have blended oh, in there somewhere and been brought to the U.S. And the Scottish variant is my favorite. Brow bow brinky. <laughs> ee winky. Nose nose nebby. Cheek cheek cherry. Mow mow merry. Chin chin chucky. Curry worry curry worry curry worry. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> oh, and then just one more. I just this is just from someone else's grandparents who did this. And there's mm-hmm. it goes, um, it was on some thread. It goes forehead bumper, eyes peeper, nose smeller, mouth eater, chin chopper, gully 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 gully. No, that's I love so all funny. I love all the tickle noises. Yeah. <laughs> that's adorable. Um, yeah, it's really fun. I want to do another, like, more in-depth one of, like, different histories of these fun sayings because it's so yeah. interesting, like, where they come from and how they morph into what they are uh-huh. now. And sometimes they have dark meetings. Like, um, this little piggy went to market is actually pretty dark because he's not going to market to buy pork. Yeah. <laughs> he's going well, to market to become pork. <laughs> well, isn't Ring Around a Rosie is all about the Black Plague, isn't it? <gasps> Ring Around the Rosie, pocket full of, of posy. It's It was, like... 
because of the smell is death. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Oh, man. (laughs) It's real dark. I I heard London Bridge was too. I know a lot of fairy tales are really dark and really. Oh, yeah. uh, Grim fairy tales are really like anti-Semitic. Yeah. Well, so my mom's husband, Hank, is German. Like his parents lived in Germany during World War Two. I mean, he is extremely oh, so he's like second German. generation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so he has his family story is pretty incredible. But um he was he would say that a lot of those old horrendous fairy tales, they were so bad to scare children in order to keep them alive. So it was things like you yeah. don't wander off into the woods because you will die and yes, stuff like that. And that's so, why they're so creepy. Like that's why yeah. like um Little Red Riding Hood goes in the woods and yeah. a wolf like eats well, her and her. The originals and... of those are terrifying. Um I took a fairy tale class in college once <gasps> and we read a lot of the originals and it, they're so dark. They're, they're yeah. so well, dark. Cinderella, especially. Instead of... Oh, Cinderella really dark? I didn't yes. know that one. I know that Cinderella... Or no, not Cinderella. Little Mermaid. So, and she is like able to walk, but every step feels like she's stepping on glass. And then at the end, she doesn't get the prince. She turns into sea foam. <laughs> it, that one's real dark. <laughs> there, so there was this special book of nursery rhymes that Hank had when he was young, and they're like German nursery rhymes. And my mom found a version of it, but one of the um, nursery rhymes is about this little boy that won't cut his fingernails, and so instead, someone comes and just cuts off his fingers. <laughs> and that's and the pictures Jeez, are was that horrifying. <laughs> the oh pictures are gosh. terrifying. I'll see if my mom will send me a picture that we can post on Instagram. I'm oh, telling w- you, they're oh, gosh, so yes. scary. <laughs> we we laughed a lot. Yeah. So what's your hello today? Um, so my hello, Nick and I are taking this parenting class through yes, our right. church. It's called Parenting Through the Phases, and it's really just about um, how to be there for your kids through every age and stage of their life. And so nice. the curriculum is put together by this organization called Orange that does a lot of different curriculum for families and for churches. But Tuesday's lesson, and it's all virtual, which of course makes it a little bit awkward, but we're still excited. We get to see some of the other families that we know. Um, And so Tuesday's lesson talked about how in every stage and age of your kid's life, they have a specific question that they're kind of asking and trying to figure out. That sounds so good. Yeah. And I love things where it gives me specifics that I can write down or like lists uh, those so specific. I, I like. Yes, it. I thrive in classes like that. I don't need really generalized ideas. I need very specific ideas. So um, I'm not going to give away all of them because it feels like I'm cheating a little bit since <laughs> they put a lot of work into this class. But I will right, tell totally. you. Yeah. I will tell you the ones for um, our kids' ages. So for babies, it was things like am I safe? You know, and even if babies and pre toddlers aren't consciously, consciously asking this, that's kind of what they need answered in their life. And then for preschool and like five-year-old beginning of six-year-old, it was, do I have your attention? 
And then for <laughs> first and second grade, it was, am I able to do this? Am I like good enough to do this? And Are you capable? Um, uh. yes, am I capable? I loved having these written down because it makes me look at moments where I may not have had as much patience or appreciation and realize that that is just the stage that they're going through and that that's reassurance that they need in that moment. So things like um, my boys especially are, and I've mentioned this before, they love to tell stories. Now that they're back at school, they want us, they want to tell all the stories about everything that happened at recess and (laughs) during the school day. A lot of times I tend to, like once they really get into their groove, I tend to kind of space out or ignore them or just like straight up interrupt them or stop them. And if I'm in the middle of something that I'm trying to figure out, like driving through a new city or cooking dinner or something like that. Um, And this was just a really good reminder that in those moments, it's their way of asking, do I have your attention? And that I can... Even if in specific moments, like when I'm cooking, I might not be able to give it to them, but trying to be really aware and purposeful about making sure that at some point during the day, I am listening to them in a way that's like I'm looking into their eyes, not me on their phone, me on my phone while they're talking, but just being really intentional with that. And a lot of the younger kids' questions were really easy Um to respond to, you know, like, do I have your attention? I feel like that's a somewhat easy fix. Am I safe? Things like that. But the older kids questions were a little bit scary in a way that, you know, it's going to take (laughs) a lot. And so so um, terrified of the teenage years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But it was sleep. But other than that, I don't want to train too much. (laughs) That's the only thing. (laughs) That's it. I'm so scared. I just be so free and well. I feel like there's a lot more opportunity for me to mess up with a teenager. Like if I mess up with something with my kids at this age, I have a lot of time to fix it. But if I mess up with a teenager, (laughs) I don't know. I just that scares me more. So that's really it's not a very big hello or a long hello. I just it was something that really helped me this week. So orange who does this, um, they have a series of books. You can buy a book for every single year of your kid's life. So they have a parenting your kindergartner, parenting your first grader. And each of the books has questions that they might need help answering or um, ways that you can, like conversations you want to have with them at that age. That's nice because I feel like they change so fast and then I like yes. I have to it takes me like a month or so to figure out what has changed and then to catch yes. up with them so nice it'd be nice to know in advance <laughs> for yeah. sure you know like, well, I feel once, like it kind of like preps you once they hit grade school age it's in it's incredible how much they've changed in the last year or two especially Henry and Ava the concerns that Ava had two years ago are completely different than they have now. So the next, the next age group, like the third to fourth graders, the question is, do I have friends, you know, and who are my friends? And I so remember that age, yes, yeah, that was really vulnerable. Uh-huh. And so Ava is walking into that age group. So I feel like if I can be prepared for that and ready for those conversations, we had a little bit of this already because she switched schools 
when Nick got the new job. Mm -hmm. And the school that they go to now is very small. And a lot of the students there are generational. So a lot of her classmates, their grandparents went to that school and their parents went to that school. So they have all lived in that community for years together. And so um, they she was one of two new kids in her entire first grade on in all of the first grade classes when she started. Whereas at her other school, her individual class would have kids coming and going regularly. That makes me think of as far as the friends go. My mom told me a story. So I, it took me a while to learn how to be social. I, uh, <laughs> like, especially to elementary school. And now let's be honest for a while. I just, I just, it didn't come naturally to me to be like, to socially understand people, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, I didn't, basically, I didn't have many friends. Oh. <laughs> I did, and I didn't. I don't know. I, maybe part of it was me feeling sorry for myself and wanting attention or something. I don't know. But my mom was worried about me at one point because I, uh-huh. I didn't really have any friends at school, and I was being a little bullied, you know, which, oh, which happens. No. But she talked to someone who I thought had uh, good advice, like, that. well, does she have one good friend? Like, as long as your kid has, like, one good friend, they're going to be okay. And at yeah. the time, that's when I had met Heather. And oh, she is, yeah. yeah. So it was like fourth grade, and she was awesome. And I would have never guessed that for you because, oh, you know, because you're such you. a good friend. Mm. I feel like I say that, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but I, I'm being really <laughs> genuine. So <laughs> I, I try really hard. Well, also, you moved across the country, and I can't imagine trying to make friends. In an entirely new state. That, the idea of that really terrifies me. We didn't me. have any until we had kids. Actually, Evie was our little friend maker. Because I, well, yeah. one of the biggest things oh, I yeah. get, uh, was uh, joining a support group um, oh, at the hospital, yes. Baby and Me, mm-hmm, um, after mm-hmm. she was born. That was huge. And that's how I met all my friends. We still have, a, like, a group text. We support each other. Yeah. It's just, ugh, mom supports support groups are just the best everyone's so that positive so smart no one gossips just w- just women supporting women so I shout out that. to all of my mom friends thank yeah. you for being my first friends in a new place that's huge yeah. well and then we had my brother too and um yeah thank you to all of those mom friends for being friends with my friend because thank you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah I feel like it was a really serious episode on my end, but I just, I had a really contemplative week. <laughs> so. Well, thank you for your hello, Natalie. Oh man, so much great insights today. Thank you. Uh, as we wrap up today's episode, everyone, we want to hear from you. We love hearing from you so much. It makes our day. Uh, not to guilt you into anything, but email us at lumpymotherpodcast at gmail.com and tell us what are your creative date nights during a pandemic? What are some other good questions people could answer? Natalie, what do you think? Um, uh, tips for positive self-talk. And positive self-talk. Anti-racist resources. Do you have any weird songs your parents sing to you? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Weird, um, like, tickling traditions. <laughs> So. <laughs> that'd be great we really want in here we would love to know what you have to say if you like what you heard today there are a few really really important things that you can do that will help other moms and parents find us and we cannot stress enough how much this 
helps support us as a podcast. And these are free things that you can do. It means a lot. So you can hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. And then also rate and review us, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Those are three really easy things that make a huge difference for us. And also, the most importantly, is to share us with someone else, another parent that you think might enjoy our show. We know that word of mouth is the best way to spread. And um, we really believe in us and being there for yeah. all of the other parents that are out yes. there. Yeah, I think that we can help a lot of people feel less alone yes. in this. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's so lonely sometimes. But you're it not is. alone. Uh, we're so. here and so are so many others and they're go- we're going through the same thing. Yep. So yeah, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for some fun outtakes, some fun little <laughs> pull <laughs> quotes. <laughs> on Instagram, you can find us at Lumpy Mother Podcast. You can also find us at Lumpy Mother Podcast on Facebook. And on Twitter, we are at Lumpy Mother Pod 1. That's at Lumpy Mother Pod, P-O-D-1. And TikTok, it's at Lumpy Mother Podcast too. And make sure that you join us next week to see what motherhood has in store for our lives and yours. Bye. We'll see you next week.